Is it time? Guys, it may be time. Let me ask you, have we reached that tipping point between being willing to suffer while evils are sufferable versus righting those evils by abolishing the forms to which we are accustomed? Have we, are we, suffering a long train of abuses, making it our right, our duty, to provide new guards for our future? I think that maybe we are. And I think I might just have an idea for how we could do it, or at least begin to do it. And I'm going to share it with you as we have another hazardous conversation. Trigger warning disclaimer. Hazardous conversations pushes rhetorical boundaries for acceptable political discourse. Listening to this program could have the uncomfortable side effect of provoking deep intellectual inquiry into foundational principles of liberty. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, let me get the apology out of the way. It has been nearly a month since publishing my last episode, and I do sincerely apologize for that. Between setting up things here on the Hazardous Liberty Homestead and doing other odds and ends to earn a temporary income, life simply happened. So I ask your pardon and understanding, which I'm sure you're willing to give. But I am keeping my promise from the last episode to talk about ways we can fight back. So let's get down to it. A little rebellion now and then is a good thing. I sometimes truly wonder how sincerely Jefferson held that idea. As I've shared before, he wrote that in response to Shays' Rebellion and prior to the writing of the Constitution, the former event leading to the latter. But how far did Jefferson really believe that idea should go? And did the Constitution change his mind on that any? Now, if you followed my Hazardous Liberty Facebook page for a while, you know that one of, if not the, major concerns that I've had with various actions we might take to oppose tyranny often focuses on the is this it question. You can also call it the breaking point or tipping point question, but whatever you call it, it is the basic yet massively difficult question of whether the time is now to do whatever it is we are going to do. It's a difficult question because Different people all have their different tipping points. As I've constantly observed, one of the most remarkable aspects of the 1776 revolution was that so many of the colonists came to agree at the same moment that the time had actually come. But even then, they did not, for the most part, take deliberatively provocative action meaning they didn't go seek out redcoats to attack. They merely stood their ground as free men. Now, I confess, I myself have waffled on this question many times. Not because I do not think taking action is unjustified, but primarily because I have not felt enough people agree and would follow me. I've also felt in the past that, by and large, we have not yet fully taken all of the available alternative steps. Things like voter turnout, again, this is the past I'm speaking of, told me that we weren't really giving the electoral route an honest run. And to a small extent, I still believe that's true. 
However, the distinction now is that I've come to view the electoral route as being close to impossible to affect due to the massive amount of corruption that surrounds it. And even, even if I had a small amount of faith left in it, that would be totally destroyed by my lack of faith in the judicial system to not interfere. And I know that I am not alone in that feeling. So, what does a people have left when all of their available means of redress have been taken from them, either in fact or in effect, by way of such massive corruption? Well, we know what they have left. The Declaration of Independence tells us precisely what course of action we are justified in taking. Problem is, how we actually go about it is left entirely up to us. So that then leaves us two difficult questions to answer and all get on the same page about. One, is it time? And two, what exactly are we going to do? And how are we going to do it? And those two questions directly interrelate to one another, with the answer to number one being dependent on the answer to number two and vice versa. Is it time? For what? A protest. Sure! Is it time? For what? A takeover of City Hall. How? Through elections, of course. Ah, yes, great. Is it time? For what? A takeover of City Hall. How? By seizing it and arresting the traitors, of course. Uh, maybe not. See, even when we have full agreement that something needs to be done, it's the what and how that will keep us floundering in inaction. And that, in large part, is why I have previously hesitated about fully advocating for a more, shall we say, aggressive means of fighting back against the tyranny that is around us. The other very large reason that I have hesitated is that, as I've thought out the various ways that we could fight back using more aggressive measures, I have yet to imagine a scenario that is both unifying and provides the best chance of affecting meaningful change with the least amount of risk for widespread violence. Again, going back to our founding fathers, the actions that they took were, by and large, resistive and defensive in nature leading up to the war. They didn't seek out the Red Coat garrison in Boston to pick a fight, but they did move with force to secure their liberties against those Red Coats, the result of which, of course, did become violent. But it wasn't them instigating it, and to me, that makes all the difference. So as I look at what's going on right now, it occurs to me that maybe, just maybe, the time and conditions are ripe for doing something meaningful. About a week ago, I made a post that said, we need a red state governor to tell Biden to pound sand and produce energy for his or her state. Let the feds try and stop it. Now, I wrote that as a primarily pithy commentary on all that is happening. But the more I thought about it, the more it occurred to me that this might be the it we've been waiting for. I mean, if we were ever going to have a chance to rally behind a unifying course of action, 
then restoring our energy independence just might be it. Now, whether a governor does this, or a county, or a large oil company, or a smaller group of people that have access to the land and equipment necessary, the basic premise remains the same. Open up the wells, fire up the refineries, and put America back to work. Don't wait for permission, and don't ask for forgiveness. Simply do what must be done. Force the government into the choice of either trying to stop it, or to let it continue. Of course, if they do attempt to stop it, then we must also be prepared to resist them, just as the Minutemen at Lexington and Concord were prepared and actually did resist. Now I know, you're probably asking, would this work? What would it accomplish? And if I live in California, what good would it do if this happens in, say, Oklahoma? Well, to be perfectly honest, it might not do that much for you if you're in that situation. See, one of the ways that I see this little rebellion being somewhat protected is by staying wholly within a given state. We do that, and Congress has far less of a claim over what we are doing. But the minute a truck crosses a state line with that newly pumped oil or refined gas, then it complicates the matter. So I'm not saying we wouldn't do it, just that it's not an ideal way to start, in my opinion. Now in the short term, the goal would be to simply start pumping energy back into the system, even if it's just locally. The longer it plays out, the more the goals would naturally grow as the rebellion grew, which would hopefully spill over state to state. Also, as it grew, more and more independent actors would add their own flair to it, so it's hard to say just how it goes once it gets going. But in a grand sense, it would be a reassertion of individual liberty and federalism on a massive scale, as well as being a severe pushback to all sorts of federal and state overreach. But would it work? Well, why wouldn't it? What obstacles do you perceive to be in the way? Well, there's the aforementioned issue of people needing to be on the same page about the necessity to do something. So the very first challenge would be getting enough of the right people to agree to act. And that's no small feat. Then we would need to have access to both the land for the drilling and the refineries to process it. Please understand, I am not talking about stealing here. This is not a proletariat rebellion, and we are not talking about seizing the means of production. We are simply talking about putting them back to work after being artificially shut down by the government. So we would need, at the very least, companies, public or private, large or small, that have these facilities and are willing to risk them for the cause. Of course, we could look at federal land where we know there are fields ready to be tapped, but again, that would take this somewhat small rebellion and up-level it quite a bit. Not saying that I'm against it, just maybe not to start. So then, having access to the land and the refineries also carries with it the necessity of having access to the workers and a willingness of them to participate. Now, this is actually where I see some of the most difficulty, and it comes in two forms. One is the natural trepidation that will exist 
by many to participate in what will be labeled as an all-out rebellion or insurrection. Many, many people will want to support and participate and benefit from, but will be naturally afraid to do so. The other difficulty will be in the form of infiltration and sabotage. Now this will be an inevitability, and it could very well be the catalyst that takes it from an exercise in grand civil disobedience and turns it into a violent confrontation. I mean, we've already seen the willingness of the FBI and other agencies to infiltrate and elevate, and they would do it with this. But in my estimation, both are completely manageable and necessary risks in order to save our republic. Now, if you're not convinced that now is the time, let me ask you, would you rather wait until it is truly dangerous? Until people are so desperate and locked into survival mode that anything like real trust between groups of people is utterly destroyed. I certainly do not. The advantage of executing a plan of this nature now is that it is, by and large, a rather passive and peaceful exercise. You'd be talking about private citizens and or companies putting their own resources to work and then distributing the fruits of their labor. And that's the other beautiful thing about this plan. It doesn't go outside of the Constitution. Not even a smidge. The only violations of anything that would be happening would be the regulations and rules of the tyrants, most of which themselves are blatant violations of the Constitution. No one would be forced to buy or use or do anything they do not choose. And no one's rights or life or livelihood would be threatened in taking this course of action, unless it is threatened by the government. In other words, liberty, true liberty, hazardous liberty, would prevail. So to me the question is not whether it would work, but rather how long would it be allowed to stand? What actions would the state or feds take to try to shut it down, and how far would they go? How far would they go? That really is the question that will keep us at bay, isn't it? We're already witnessing food processing centers literally going up in smoke, coupled with, shall we say, mysterious losses of cattle and other livestock, coupled with the utter lawlessness that the left always unleashes in order to push its agenda. No, the government will push back. Of that we can be certain. But how does that pushback look? See, this is why location is key in my opinion. Doing this in a location that is more friendly to these actions, where local law enforcement and government is more likely to not oppose it, would at least allow the movement to get rooted. Having a county sheriff willing to protect his or her own citizens in doing so would be even better. And having a governor willing to do the same would be best. But really, it is going to come down at all levels to the individuals wearing badges. Are they going to be the tools of the tyrants? Or are they going to uphold their oaths to the Constitution? This, to me, is the biggest X factor in the whole equation. Are there still enough good people in the various law enforcement agencies throughout our nation 
that would disobey any orders to shut this down. I know we want to believe that is the case, but I don't know. I just don't know. In any case, it will be an uneven response with some individuals and some agencies willing to, while others will simply follow whatever orders they get. But, even with all of that, even with all of the difficulties and risks, known and unknown, I am strongly convinced that this could not only work, but that it is our very best chance to rescue our nation without precipitating a full-blown hot civil war. Yes, of course it could lead to it. I am not arguing that it couldn't. But it would force the tyrants to take the first shot. And it would force good people to make choices that they are currently avoiding. Folks, we are already headed full steam into a hot civil war. We're currently fighting a cold civil war with flare-up skirmishes all over the place. Sticking our heads in the sand over it won't stop it from coming. But maybe, just maybe, we can fight it in a way that could just possibly stave off that war from becoming hotter than necessary. If we could pull this off in just one location and really get it going, it would spread like wildfire throughout the rest of the nation. Would it solve every problem with our republic? Of course not. But it could buy us the time we need. Tyranny is working overtime trying to stamp out liberty. It knows that it must act swiftly and decisively to wipe us out now, lest we preserve our rebellious spirit and rekindle the fires of freedom in the future. We have as unique an opportunity to fight for our freedom now, in this moment, as has ever happened in the history of the world. We are heirs to the freedom and liberty that our forefathers paid for with their blood. All that remains to be seen is whether we have inherited their strength, ferocity, fortitude, and honor as well. Guys, this is it. I can't make it happen. I don't have any of the expertise needed to make it happen. But I promise you this. I will help in whatever ways I can, even if that is simply standing a watch. So spread this idea like wildfire. Share it with everyone you possibly can. Download it and save it so that you can continue to share it when it has disappeared from the podcasting platforms. And let's all work together to keep our republic if we can. And that will do it for this episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the like and follow buttons. And as I've already asked, please share it with others that you think might like it as well. Until next time... God be with you all in all that you do. And remember, keep the faith and keep up the fight.